0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. Uh, we're a channel that features podcasts, interviews, and content on all sorts of subjects. We have shows, uh, shows released, recorded, and scheduled on various subjects, including mental health, football, films, TV wrestling, music, conspiracy theories, and more. Today's episode is our third episode, of third podcast on mental health, and our second in our series on ADHD. Uh, We previously did a show on depression and grief with football journalist Phil Brown. Uh, We discussed the subject in detail. It was an extremely emotional show for both myself and Phil uh, as we shared our experiences with grief and some of the issues that manifested uh, afterwards, obviously, Phil had a particularly heartbreaking show, a uh, particularly heartbreaking experience. Uh, it was difficult, but it was worth it just for the, uh, the messages that we received afterwards uh, with people just talking about their own uh, experiences and struggles, which made it all worthwhile. Uh, we also did a show on ADHD with mental health support worker Jacob. Uh, they both, both shows had really good viewing figures and feedback. But like I say, the best thing was definitely all the messages that I received afterwards. Thank you for talking about the subject, raising awareness, and a couple of people who sort of admitted to just being struggling themselves. Uh, so today's show is going to be uh, from the parent side of having children with ADHD. Obviously, uh, my eldest son has ADHD, so I've got a little bit of experience with it. But I was keen to get other people's experience because two children might not be the same but they both might have ADHD and they both might have different symptoms. Uh, My today's guest is an ADHD counsellor and from ADHDpositive.co.uk and I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Chantal Branson to the show today. Welcome Chantal and thanks for coming on.
1: Morning, thanks for having me.
0: No worries. uh, So, like I said, we wanted to discuss it from a different point of view. We spoke to Jacob about... Uh, ADHD you know in adulthood and his day-to-day life and how it affects his job Uh, and he's got a young child and he discussed how that affected his life with that. Um, Next week I'm speaking to Dr Mohammed about the sort of medical and clinical side Uh, so today I wanted to get the parents point of view uh, you know just all the hurdles and different things you've been through and you go through on a daily basis Uh, being a parent to a child with ADHD um, so if it's all right with you we'll sort of start from the beginning mm-hmm. um, sort of testing process and things like initial symptoms and then sort of work our way through if that's okay um, so how many how many children do you have?
1: So I have three children three boys and um, two okay. of the children are diagnosed with ADHD.
0: Okay so um, if we sort of start with the the eldest one who's got uh, ADHD, did what were the initial sort of symptoms that you noticed uh, with them and sort of what did you think at first, if, I, if you get what I mean, sort of was it like uh, an instant thing like, "Oh, I think they've got ADHD, or was it a more of a gradual thing that uh, you um. noticed differently?
1: okay so um he was a um a restless baby from from being very tiny really um he ha- he was very sensitive so he developed allergies and um uh things like eczema and um food allergies milk intolerances and things and he was just quite agitated from from a very young age um when he he was he was desperate to be off you know he was he wasn't a baby that would sit still or happy to kind of just amuse himself he wanted this constant stimulation from being very young um, which was quite a different experience to having an older child who was very placid and very um, calm and I think when my um, middle son was about 15 months old he started being quite aggressive he would lash out kind of himself about um and I, I i just remember thinking why why is he behaving like this? Where he got this from? And um you know you think that behaviours weren't but um he would he would pull your hair and um just he would go and kind of lash out at the dog and and uh, it was just all very confusing and I, I went to the health visitor and I said, Oh um you know like, I'm a bit worried about my child, he seems to be um quite aggressive and she would come and observe him and say oh you know you're doing everything right and um but right from a very young um the symptoms were there and uh, yeah
0: yeah i think um well i experienced something similar with my my son he um he was very restless and he was constantly sort of quite hyperactive uh, mm-hmm. Didn't always want to listen, and I mean, from from my point of view, I my wife picked up on it, similar sort of thing to you. Um, She sort of was, would say like, you know, something doesn't seem right. He seems a bit too uh agitated and whatnot, and he's very emotional. And I, I always just said, oh no, he's just a boy. And obviously, he was our first first child, so obviously, with your first child, you're just you, it's new to you. Um, so I was very much, I didn't, I would, I think I was, like, I didn't consider it. I was just, oh, no, he's fine. He's a boy. And I was sort of put it down to that. Um, and as he got older, it sort of developed into a bit more, uh, more issues and issues within school with concentration and things like that. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: with, um, so with your child then, was, did you, where did it go from the health visitor then? Did you? Did he have issues when he went up into sort of nursery and school?
1: Um, yes, yes, he did. Yeah, he started nursery, and it was just so overwhelming for him um, that I decided I would keep him at home for a bit longer because I just didn't feel like he was ready at that time. Um, I think you know, other people were like, "Oh, what? Why are you doing that?" But I just knew my son, and it was it was my decision. Um, he did eventually go to nursery, and you know he did he did manage, but it was very play based and they were very um aware of of his difficulties and he used to tend to play uh, alone a lot um, and then other children also you know they they'd get to know um how to approach their peers and so they would just know to leave him alone really because if they interfered with what he was doing, he might be um a bit cross with them um I was backwards and forwards to um the doctor saying you know I think that my son could have ADHD um, and he was uh, he started school at four and he found it incredibly difficult he was just um, aloof really he was quite uh, wild and always going in the opposite direction not sitting still and uh, not processing what the teachers were saying he did get quite a, a negative um reputation he could be aggressive um, and it's very very challenging
0: and um, he was diagnosed at five. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know what, obviously, I live in Wales and you live in England. So, I'm not sure of the differences in the process, uh, which you had. Uh, with, with my son, he wasn't diagnosed, I think, until year seven, start of year seven. So, mm-hmm. I think that's like 11, which I think is quite late. I think generally, but and, and a lot of that was down to my sort of stubbornness Um, and I think it was only with us I think year six the end of primary school his teacher sort of floated the idea that maybe he had ADHD and explained the issues that he was having Mm -hmm. Um, so then so in Wales in order to get tested you have to be referred by the school or by the GP Um, so the issue we had was The school told us to go to the GP to get referred because it's quicker. But the GP told us that you had to go to be referred by the school. So we went back and forth several times trying to get one of them to refer him to be tested. Uh, Mm. And it was exhausting. And it's also frustrating because we, you know, all the time while he's not being tested or diagnosed, he's not getting the support in school that he needed. Um, and this became a big issue for us in like the first year of high school because the school simply wouldn't give him any of the support that children with ADHD need and get Mm. until he was diagnosed but the diagnosis and the testing was taken so long so we spent a large part of his first year of high school in trouble not being able to concentrate very frustrated because he was getting in trouble. Um, and it was a very upsetting time for him. Obviously, in your situation, uh, he was diagnosed at five, so that's a bit earlier. Um, with, so with your, with your son, did you find, what was your initial reaction when, you know, when you you or actually before we go there, um, in regards to getting him tested for ADHD, okay. Were you able to just go to a doctor and just get sort of get that process started or did it need to be, you know, referred by the school or what's the process there for you?
1: Um, we had, I had been to the doctors with my son and he was also under, under a paediatrician um, to do with his, his allergies because they were quite, they were quite severe. Um, but it was our third referral into CAMHS by the time he, he was um, offered the assessment. So um, he, he'd, been, um, he'd been first referred through the GP at the age of three. Um, so we got the diagnosis and I think <clears throat> the trouble is, is you're right in what you say unless you get um, the diagnosis you don't necessarily get the support. But even then, when you do have the diagnosis, I think it can still be really difficult in accessing the right um, the right support and, and getting that understanding of your child. Um but I didn't yeah. find it, I didn't uh, the, it was a third referral but I didn't find th- it too difficult in terms of, of um, getting the diagnosis from my older son.
0: Yeah, I think um, probably I think it probably helped by the sounds of it that he was under a pediatrician paediatric, already um, so, you know in terms of the length of time. But I mean, even like you say, you had to go back a few times. We, um, it was very fr- frustrating for us because the school agreed that he needed help and he, mm-hmm. they, you know, there was something going on. The doctors agreed or the GP agreed. Yeah, it looks like, you know, he may have ADHD and he needs probably some support in school, but they couldn't put it in place until he had his diagnosis. So it's. It's all very well for them to say, you know, wait for the referral, go to this place, go to that place. But all, you know, day, on daily life, he's going to school, he's struggling with his emotions, he's struggling with frustration, he's struggling with concentration. He's got to live with that. And then obviously the family unit has got to deal with the, the result of all of that. Um, so after you, you had the diagnosis, What, um, you know, how did you feel initially when you were told, yeah, he's got ADHD?
1: Um, Well, I think I knew that he had ADHD, but I think that um, it's still very difficult because you, um, I think as a parent, your natural disposition is still to question yourself and you're still questioned by so many other people, even your friends and your family. They've all got something to say with regards to... How you should be parenting or how they should be behaving. Um, And you you still don't lose that sense of self blame sometimes, and you're still questioning whether it's right. Now, there's a lot that we're talking um, eight years ago, and I know there's still a lot of stigma now as to what ADHD is, whether it's um, uh, environmental or genetic. And so we still face a lot of criticism, a lot of judgments. my son was still very rejected by his peers um, He was still very complained about by his peers By the teachers, by other parents So it was still very, very difficult
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's very disheartening as well <clears> Or <throat> oh, certainly I found as It's like you feel like uh, other parents Are sort of looking down on you almost Because your child is not Behave in the way that they think they should behave, particularly when they're younger. Um, obviously, in my our case, like when my son was sort of five, six, seven, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't know that he had ADHD at that point, but he's still, uh, you know, similar issues to what, what you just mentioned and with his peers and other parents and people and teachers. is very much, well, he should be doing this, everyone else is doing this, so why isn't he? And it's very frustrating and it can be very, you know, as a parent, it can be very disheartening. Um, And I know, like, when we found out that he had ADHD, it was almost like a relief for us because we knew that now we could push the school for that support and they wouldn't push back. Um, So he did get the support he needed in school. But, like, from a personal point of view, I felt very guilty once he had that diagnosis, because I felt like he had had the last sort of five or six years of not having maybe the support or even the treatment that could have helped him because of my stubbornness. And then of course, the more I read about ADHD, because as I mentioned to you before, I was very ignorant, ignorant towards it before this all sort of came up. Um, And I was reading like it can be passed down hereditary and things like that. So that was like, From a personal point of view, I found that very difficult. Um, Now, obviously, my son was, I think, probably about 12 when he found out and he was diagnosed officially, if you like. Um, And he was, even though he knew, you know, he knew he was old enough, he knew what was going on, he knew he was going to be tested, he knew that he probably had ADHD. When he found out, he was extremely emotional. Um, And I had many conversations with him. You know, he's he just said things like, I, w- I just want to be normal. I just want to be like everyone else. And it was a very trying time for him. Obviously, it was his first year in high school. And then to sort of have that. And it took him a while, I think, to come to terms with, you know, I've got ADHD. Um, so one of, the good, one of the good things, I think, for him was that he could understand some of the things that he was doing and why but then equally to him he wanted to just be or feel as if he was just normal in inverted commas because you know what is normal at the end of the day um yeah. obviously your son was younger um as he got older did you find that he did he ask questions about you know like the fact that he's got adhd or did he did it because, because he was only five when you found out and you had him tested? Was it just a part of sort of his day to day life? And you know, that's just the way it is.
1: Um, well, if I just go back to what you were saying yeah, before yeah. about um, you know, feeling really guilty and feeling that you were ignorant of ADHD, I think that's um, a, a common thing because you don't know unless you experience it. And um, I can relate to that entirely because my older son just flew through school, and he was such a calm and placid child, and he did really well. And I think I used—I think that there was an element of me crediting myself with that. I was like, "Oh, I'm such a good parent," because my child's doing so well. But actually, I think I'm more inclined to say that children do well if they can do well now. And of course, yes, the the parental support and the family support um, is is a factor in how children develop but yes I think that children can do well if they can do or children will do well if they can do well. Um, uh, going forwards to um, how my son feels about his ADHD well I think um, I think it's not necessarily the, the label of ADHD that was the problem I think it was um, his developing perception based on his experiences. So the the criticisms, the judgments, the constant um, negative comments the been learning that he wasn't good enough and learning that he was naughty and bad and um, just not getting that understanding around him despite the, having a diagnosis. So um, I think maybe it was because he was so young that ADHD just been something that's accepted um, by him, um, but I don't. I think it is difficult for children to be to be labelled with a disorder. But I think it's equally, you know, a, a difficult. If well, more so difficult if they just don't know. They don't know um, why they have got no understanding of um, themselves.
0: Um, yeah, and I think you know, as as a child with with or without ADHD. Um, it's difficult enough, isn't it? Find, they're trying to find who they are, especially you know as they get up into, towards the end of primary school and going into high school. They're still testing boundaries and still trying to find out their personality, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and I think, when you've, particularly as a teenage boy, you've got all the hormones and things of just a normal teenager, and then you factor in some of the issues which come with ADHD, it can be very trying. I mean, i got to be honest, some days I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle just to get through the day. Um, But then I think he feels like that too. He's so focused on trying to make sure that he behaves a certain way and he's well behaved and he's trying to be good and concentrate and do all the things that he he knows that he should be doing. I think that takes a toll on him mentally by the end of the, each day because he's trying very hard to fit in to this, you know, the way that he's got to go to school and he's got to go to lessons and he's got to do this and that. So I think that is difficult and I think it's difficult for any child, any teenager, and I think it's even more difficult if you've got that ADHD. Um, and obviously they're, as children, they're trying to come to terms with the fact that they've got a disorder which not everyone has got. Um, So it is... I can imagine, like, obviously, I'm only going on my own experiences in terms of how we try to deal with it and how we try and help him deal with it. But it's not easy for them as much as it's not easy for... You know as parents to to navigate the various issues which come along with it um could so could you tell me like what sorts of sort of difficulties um you, your children have so with ADHD on like a daily basis what would excuse me sorry what would some of the you know some of the just the day to day hurdles or issues you might encounter which sort of stem from you know, the ADHD within the household.
1: So, um, my children are quite um high energy, quite intense. Um, they change direction so frequently. Uh, so it can be difficult to keep up with them. Um obviously as a family we've all evolved with, with the ADHD so um and we're quite attuned to each other. But it you know, that's not me saying that it's easy at all because you know, emotions can be quite um, fragile and um, volatile um okay. overwhelmed you know and, and the children can be quite emotional especially if they've had a really difficult day and they're just exhausted and and as I say overwhelmed from having to concentrate at school or or hearing um, a negative comment for example my son just he, he got so overwhelmed and he sat. this is my younger son Mm -hmm. and that he, he, he was sat there and he wanted to get out of his chair and he was really trying to keep himself together and he just couldn't and eventually he said I wanted to shout but I cut my hair instead and I bit my finger really hard and I eventually I just screwed up the paper and all that's happening internally for him and the teacher just sees this child that's screwing up the paper and then her immediate reaction is to to shout at him despite the fact that she knows that he's got ADHD. Um, you know, and then on top of all this kind of overwhelm and frustration, my son seeing everybody else being able to just sit and concentrate, um, you know, it's 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 really distressing. Um, so at home, yes, I've talked about um high emotions, changing direction high energy my children will you know you could come into my house and see them hanging upside down on the sofa doing cartwheels backflips we have um lots of and that's okay in our house because they need that and trying to um, make them sit still and, and become calm it's just it's fruitless really because it's not going to happen and it's just going to cause more more frustration and more upset so we have um a monkey bath a monkey pull up bar. they hang on swing off that yeah they do um, all kinds of
0: crazy things yeah this sounds quite um very similar we've got like a pull-up bar which they uh you know they all use particularly this like you know it's raining and you can't go outside and get rid of some of that energy that's a handy thing to have to hang and uh hang about and, you know it's it's like it's very difficult i've got a 14 year old who's got adhd and then i've got a 12 year old and a 10 year old so obviously they're quite close together in age but equally the 14 year old perhaps doesn't have the same interests as a 10 year old Um, and if he's if the oldest one's had a bad day or just a hard day in terms of the work he's had to do in school and he feels quite compressed where he's had to try and behave a certain way and concentrate and they can clash and it can go from you know, just around to very volatile in seconds. Um, So, we, you know, we do speak to the younger two and, you know, explain that, look, he is going to react and he is going to, particularly later in the day. So, sorry, I'm skipping back and forth a bit there. So my son, uh, he started taking medication about towards the end of year seven, which again, I was completely against so i you know i'd sort of come around to the fact of adhd and he'd been tested and all that but i was still like i don't want to medicate him i don't think it's right etc you know general stigma which is attached to it um but i was very against it. but we tried different things and he had some support in school and um it was interesting one of the things which you said there about the teacher knew that your son had adhd but still reacted to him as if he was, you know, any other child who didn't have the same sort of issues. Because what we feel we found in high school, obviously they have a different teacher for different subjects, so it's different each lesson. And we found, you know, you could have one teacher who's exceptionally understanding, gives, them, gives him a lot of leeway, will do his best to help him, and will probably let him get away with some, some things that other children would be hold off for things like shouting out or fidgeting you know they've got like different fidget toys and stuff but then he could go into the next lesson and you'll have a teacher who quite clearly doesn't have any faith in ADHD as a thing doesn't allow any leeway treats him exactly as any other child would be treated which immediately causes issues if if he's struggling in that lesson or if he doesn't like that lesson, because that teacher's just, there's conflict within minutes, um, which makes it very difficult for us, because we're trying to tell him, look, you've got to concentrate in school, and you go and you do the best you can, Do you, you, know, you know what you need to do, it's just trying to make sure you do it, and break the, we tried to get him to break the lessons down into five or ten minute blocks and say, right, I've done it for 10 minutes, try again now for the next 10 minutes. If you've got a teacher who's not on board with trying to help or even just understanding, it's very difficult to avoid that conflict. If you think, even as an adult, if someone comes to you and they want conflict and they instigate conflict, it is very difficult to avoid. It's very difficult to control your emotions and not react to someone who says something to upset you or says you know do you know what i mean so yeah, i think
1: yeah i think um... a
0: teacher point of view is difficult because you want you've got one teacher who could be, do things one way so then he goes into the next lesson thinking oh the last teacher gave me this little bit of leeway but then the next teacher doesn't believe in adhd it's not a thing so he's, he's out the lesson missing the work in trouble then he's emotional and frustrated going into the next lesson and it can snowball very very quickly
1: it absolutely can yeah and that's why it's so vital that there is that understanding and there are those reasonable adjustments in the classroom because um as you said that um the confrontation and the conflict it just doesn't it doesn't um it doesn't elicit the um desired effect you know there's no um resolve then things just escalate things can get out of control children can get um taken out of the classroom they can get excluded and um, i'm very fortunate in one respect in that i've been able to fight really quite hard for my children but it's been a long battle for both of them and i have got education health and care plans for both of them so that it's It's absolutely imperative, you know. It's a legal document now that states these are my child's difficulties, these are his needs. This is what must be done, Um, and it's enforceable. So, um, I think for any parent that has a child that's really, really struggling in school, or is very misunderstood, or or things are escalating and they're not coping, I think getting the right support is really crucial. And I think um, you know, there's lots of legislation that parents can rely on that schools must kind of put things into place. The Equality Act for one, you know, they're not allowed to discriminate against these children who are maybe behaving in a certain way, but it's as a direct consequence of their own ADHD. So, um, you know, screaming and shouting at child for something that's not within their control is discrimination, really.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, if, (laughs) for instance, if you had um, like something like Tourette's and you were fidgeting or, or twitching or like shouting out inappropriate things, mm-hmm. you wouldn't shout at that child for doing those things because they, they can 't help it so if you know that if, as a teacher if, or a school, if you know that a child has got certain issues, just as if um, If, for instance, they know that like a marriage is breaking down or there's trouble at home for a child, they'll take that into account. If he starts getting, or he or she starts getting into trouble, or whatever it may be, they'll take into account that that child is going through some sort of emotional turmoil due to a situation at home. So, equally, you should take into account, right, this child has got ADHD. So, certain things that they're doing or the way they're reacting, cannot be helped. They can't control it. And I wish, I do wish that every teacher, every teacher was able to do that. And I don't know whether it's uh, just some of them don't believe that, you know, because obviously there is, there is people out there who believe that it's, like I, like I think you said, it's, that they believe it's completely environmental and it's a choice that these people make or children make or adults make, it's not they cannot help it, they get to a point where they are not able to control what they're doing, particularly if they've been in a situation for like a test like you mentioned with your son where he felt completely overwhelmed you know he can't do anything about that so he should not be shouted at and punished because that's that feeling... <laughs> As an adult, if you feel overwhelmed, that's difficult to deal with. If you're a child feeling overwhelmed, you, you know, a small child would stamp their feet or throw something or whatever it may be. Um, and a, an older child or a teenager might sort of lash out verbally or, you know, throw a, push a chair or whatever it may be. And a child with ADHD is more likely to do those things because they feel overwhelmed so often. And um, a big thing which I always bring up when I talk about like my son and people with ADHD is being able to control their emotions. Their emotions are almost like this. I always say to my son, it's like a balancing, balancing act where it could go one way or the other very quickly. So you've got to try and if, you, for instance if you shout and you scream the only thing that's coming back is shouting and screaming it's not going to harm the situation, it's not going to stop them doing what they're doing, it's going to make them feel worse and they're going to just escalate whatever it they, is they're doing at that point so in with our school once he had the diagnosis they immediately then pretty much instantly we went for a meeting and they set up um, like a a learning plan of things that they could do to support him, which was positive, obviously. It's infuriating because it was nothing that they couldn't have done for him before. But I don't know whether it was them or the local authority which stops them doing it. But it's incredibly frustrating because it wasn't like they needed a letter to say, oh, he's got ADHD, so now we can do these things. It was just go for a meeting. This is what we can do. He can go to the learning center if he needs some sort of time to chill out or be, you know, some quiet time or go and speak to someone who's trained and help him work through his emotions or his frustrations. So we did find that frustrating that why couldn't that have been there even though he didn't have a diagnosis? I feel like if a child has got any sort of struggles or issues, they should have some sort of support whether they've been diagnosed with ADHD or whether they haven't yeah, that was I'd, frustrating
1: i'd agree with you, yes, because my younger son, he is eleven and he wasn't diagnosed until he was ten, but I knew from being, from him being young that he was very impulsive, that he was quite hyperactive. They're different children, and ADHD presents differently in in each person to some to, to many extents actually um, so my older child was far more aggressive it was more severe um but my younger child was very impulsive and um very hyperactive quite restless and high energy and um, lacking in the concentration skills but it wasn't as as prominent or severe as his older brother so i didn't and having had the experience with the older one i didn't want that um, I didn't want to go down the diagnosis route because, well, there were many factors in that decision. All that that thought, and um, it was, oh, people are just going to think it is me because now I'm saying my other child's got ADHD, or um, he doesn't need the label. My other son's been really pushed out. We're just going to get through this. And I really tried to speak to the school and say to them, look, at, you know, I feel he's got difficulties with concentration, Um I feel that he's quite restless, um and I had the same thing as you. The support wasn't there, but it's it's not right if there's a you know but there needs to be more training and more awareness for teachers and more resources i guess in schools to be able to support these children and so i did I did go down the um assessment loop for my younger son, and he's he he is now diagnosed and as with the older child, I had a lot of um Meetings at school and trying to advocate for him, and eventually, once the diagnosis is in place, I was able to say, "Well, actually, now, you know, you have a a legal responsibility because my son has a disability, and he is protected under the Equality Act, and you must make these reasonable adjustments for him. Otherwise, you're discriminating against him." And I think you have to get that kind of tough perspective with. with schools in the end because otherwise you just may as well keep banging your head against the requirement in many circumstances. I'm sure there are lots of parents who maybe have got um, really good schools and their children are supported but in my experience in, and in countless other experiences with other families they're not getting the right support and they, things are escalating and, and children aren't achieving what their potential is and they are getting pushed out and um, they're learning to develop very negative self-concepts very um, poor feelings towards education and it's just not good for anybody, the outcomes are, are, it's, it needs to change
0: No, and I think they take that negativity, negativity into their adult life then, won't they? Um, so, i got to say after I sort of Moaned a bit about his school And particularly before he was diagnosed Since his diagnosis He has had appropriate support He's had people mm-hmm. he can go to He's had people in The class on and off with him Who are just there to help him And sort of do the things he needs to do um, And despite Me being really against it We did end up Agreeing to put him on medication and I have to say that since he started the medication at the end of year seven, he's almost in school. He's almost done a complete U-turn. Mm-hmm. He's struggling in year seven. He was struggling to fit in. He didn't have many friends. He was isolated. He was frustrated. He was angry a lot. Whereas now he's in the, sort of the top sets of, I think, all or most subjects. He's doing very well in school. He hasn't been in trouble. He hasn't been in any fights. Um, so he has managed to turn it round. What we find is in the mo- first thing in the morning is very difficult. Obviously, he hasn't sort of taken his medication then. That's very difficult to navigate because he's hyperactive. He hasn't had medication since the morning before. So you really notice that the loudness, the aggression, that the difficulty in just getting showered and dressed and ready for school Mm-hmm. It can come like almost like this big, huge battle. But then, an hour after he's taken his medication, he's pretty good. You know, I'm not going to say that like he's this perfect child who does no wrong and is polite all the time. You know, he's a teenager. We still have all the teenage issues with attitudes and rudeness and, you know, everything. But from a school point of view, once he got the support, he has managed to achieve what he's capable of from an ability point of view. Whereas how many kids out there who either the school doesn't give them the same support that my son's got now, or they haven't been diagnosed, so they don't get the support, or they're just struggling through school. They've been written off as naughty kids. They've been suspended or excluded permanently. And then more issues come and they go to special schools or whatever, you know, whatever it may escalate into. And I worry that not every school will do what his school has done for him after his diagnosis. Not every kid will have had their diagnosis because they might not have had. uh, The parents might not have been knowledgeable about it. They might not have been under like a pediatrician or something like that. Someone to say or their primary school or school had not proactive in telling the parents that, or look, we think he might have ADHD or we think he's got some sort of issue with his concentration or his behaviour. If they haven't got that initial, I wouldn't say support, but advice or knowledge, you know, how many kids out there are not achieving what they can achieve because they haven't got the support or the knowledge or whatever it may be? And that worries me. It wouldn't have worried me 10 years ago, but as a parent now, it does worry me. It worries me for kids all over the country, all over the world, if you like, that aren't getting the support or the things they need to achieve what they can. And at the end of the day, you know, every person is different, every child is different, everybody reacts and learns in a different way. Some people respond to being told off and told, no, this is how you do it. Some people respond better to praise and whatever it may be. Do you know what I mean? And that's just people without ADHD. So I think I'm sure that there's lots of families around, you know, England, Wales, Scotland, who aren't getting the same support that we have or aren't getting the same advice and those kids just get written off as naughty or whatever it may be and excluded.
1: Yeah we know that happens. I think um, there's lots of children that are undiagnosed and lots of adults that have gone through childhood undiagnosed and and remain undiagnosed and uh, as I said before they just have this um, negative self-concept they can be quite angry people because the world has taught them to be angry and the world has kind of rejected them um, so um, awareness is, is increasing and it, it needs to continue to increase, training needs to continue to increase, um, parents need to find ways of, of advocating for the children, seek support. Um, there's lots of online um, social media support groups where you can get information and advice um, and know your child and um, you know, be confident in expressing what you are experiencing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it is, is, is sort of getting the word out that there is if you're not getting the support or the help from your school or your local authority. There is charities and there is people out there who can help and will help. And I think that's important. And an important message to get out there is to people is that even if this, you feel like you're alone or you feel like there's nowhere to turn or you're just every day is a battle or you're struggling, is if you can't get the help from your... GP or your uh, school there is other ways to go there is other places to turn who can help you um, <clears throat> sorry uh, there was just a couple more things I wanted to ask you really about your day to day stuff Is mm-hmm. um, what sort of um, <clears throat> well how, how does ADHD for instance affect your day to day life as a parent so obviously you had you've got your older um older son who's uh who's you know an adult and then you've got your younger children now with two of which have got adhd how does that you know how how i don't i don't want to say compared to your older son because that's not fair but what i mean is like adhd will have an effect on you every single day in some form um so, I was hoping you could just explain that better than I
1: can <laughs> Well, for my um older son who who did go through school, no problems um he was an only child for quite a long time, and you know he he was used to having um my attention and um having a calm home life and then he has these two new brothers and they um they're not they're the opposite of calm and they demand so much of my attention and so he did have to become very independent and in many respects i felt like he um kind of got pushed out and as lo- as much as he got pushed out he also learned to isolate himself because he just couldn't handle the 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 chaos and the tempo and the and the high emotions it was too much so he would retreat a lot um and that was difficult because i would feel guilty about that um, as a parent of two children with ADHD you're just so aware that um the emotion and the tone of the house can change at any given moment um, maybe you could compare that to treading on eggshells some of the time but as i said we've evolved with ADHD so we we're very good at knowing how to manage it um the, the two children do kind of um, clash, you know, one will um, agitate the other one, and the other one will be so easily agitated. Um, so it, it can be, it can be tricky
0: Yeah, I think treading on eggshells is the perfect um, sort of analogy, I think I very much feel like that <laughs> some days, but um I can relate. Like to what you said about yeah, um, your other son feeling almost like you feel a bit guilty that they're not quite having as much attention. And I don't mean, in, you know, they still are involved and you don't isolate them, but it's just like my middle son is very calm and he's very polite and well-behaved. And then his older brother's obviously got ADHD and is the opposite to that, the younger one. I got to be honest we think he's sort of borderline. I think the one thing which makes us think perhaps he hasn't got ADHD is that in work uh, in school he's doing very well and he seems to be concentrating very well. But he's very he's his personality is very boisterous. He's very loud. And I'm sure some of that is picked up from his older brother in just learned behavior as brothers, yeah. you know, brothers would do. Um But the middle one, I think, because he's quite quiet and calm, he finds it quite difficult sometimes. And I think the 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 noise levels and the chaos sometimes can affect him. So we obviously, you know, we try and make time to speak to him and explain it to him and make sure that you know he understands and he's all right. And I think generally he doesn't mind it. But sometimes, for instance, sometimes he'll walk to school on his on his own or with his friends a bit earlier just so he can get away from the the sort of the madness of trying to get ready and the noise levels and the sort of because he knows that that's the most problematic part of the day so i can certainly relate to that sort of that feeling um
1: difficult them, you know my son my older son kind of really did disengage from us because why would he want to come um Swimming with us when you would know, be getting towed off by the lifeguard, or um, you know, my son would be climbing under the um changing rooms or, or uh, running off in the opposite direction, it was just stressful. So, of course, you're gonna to want to retreat from that,
0: yeah. So, it's it's, it's natural, isn't it? It's something like a It's just a natural reaction to sort of almost not well, I suppose, like steer clear of it, and I suppose.
1: Just, I think it's minimizing them the exposure to chaos and stress. I think that's what you know. He'd like yeah. to do. But it is sad because you want them to be involved. You want to be um, a, a tight knit family, especially yeah, when you're also experiencing isolation and rejection from other places. Because you can't just rock up to someone's house for a cup of coffee. Because you know your kids are going to climb on their curtains or jump on their dog. Or uh, it's not. It's not quite so. Um, like that anymore because my children are getting older and it's getting it is getting easier in some respect but um you know you're on edge you're constantly on edge thinking oh what they're going to do and how are you going to manage them I used to say it was like an episode of Supernanny everywhere I went because one would be mm-hmm. running in one direction and one would be in another direction and people would look at me like you have no control over those children do you and I'm like no I do not so, mm-hmm.
0: yeah I can certainly relate to that and I think one of the things which we've Found and we still find, perhaps not as much, but we still do. Is that it's like almost like you think, Oh, should we go and do something? and then it sort of dawns on you, Oh, if we go there or go and see these people, or we go out there, it's going to be chaos, and like you say, climbing on chairs, and just perhaps things which are inappropriate to other people because they're not used to it and they don't understand. So then you almost, you're almost like second guessing or should we go swimming, or should we go on this day trip? Particularly when my son was younger, it was like, oh, the thought of it was very overwhelming and very daunting for us just to think about trying to do those things. Um, and I think people who haven't experienced ADHD or they don't understand it, they, don't, they just don't understand how difficult it can be, and they don't understand that feeling of overwhelming almost dread of just doing a simple thing like like going swimming or whatever you know whatever it may be it can so become
1: a restaurant and, and having your child um or trying to have your child sit down when you know that they just can't do that but i can laugh now that um when i look back on some of the incidents and the shenanigans that have occurred but i could have nearly died time and time over again at, at something that one of them's either said or done, and um, you just want to, sh- you know, just sh- shrivel up and get out of there. It's it's terrible.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's stressful, isn't it? It's, you know, I know being a parent is stressful anyway by just the sheer design of it. But I mean, it is it's difficult, isn't it? Like you want to take them for food and go and you know go and have some food and sit in a restaurant, and they don't want to sit there and wait for half hour for food because they want to go and walk around and have a look at this and climb on the chairs and do this and that. So you're just constantly going in different directions when they, particularly, you know, as they're younger. I think people who haven't, don't get me wrong, even children without ADHD, if you want to go for food and stuff, they don't want to always sit still. But if you've got a child or children with ADHD in that situation, it's almost like dialed up to 100 it makes it a very stressful environment for the parent and of course the more agitated and emotional and stressed that the parent is it, that is going to influence how you deal with your child, how the child views you and, and stuff like that so even that can then cause this escalation of stress and chaos if you like well certainly that's what I found this.
1: It just sounds like you're saying everybody um, is, is running on high anxiety Yeah. in those situations. But um, one of the things I think I've learned to do with my children is to be very selective about the things that we do do. So rather than go to a restaurant um, where they're expected to sit still, um, then we will go to a huge park or a huge outdoor area where there's loads of things to climb on and dens to build and we can take a picnic and we can sit there and there's not that expectation then. But uh, as well, you know, I think most I real my children around the supermarket with iPads in their hands and maybe some parents might think, oh, just stick them in front of a device. But actually, if that works for, your, for you and your child and you are able to sit in a restaurant or get through the supermarket without running down the aisles or um, finding
0: them hiding behind blue rolls um, and uh, Yeah, you've got to find things which work, work you know, they've got to find things which work for you I know my son enjoys like, if he's feeling particularly stressed out or emotional or agitated he'll just go up to his room with his tablet and just watch Netflix or play a couple of games and then he'll come back half hour later and he'll be calmer and chilled out and i think it's important for for any teenager particularly for any child but particularly children with adhd to be able to go somewhere or just have like a quiet time where when they're agitated they can deal with it without it escalating into oh not a shouting match but like arguments with brothers or being told off or whatever it may be if they can take themselves away for 15 minutes yeah i think that's the best that's certainly with my son is one of the most beneficial things he finds is if he can just if i'll say to him look you're getting a bit agitated just take yourself off for 15 minutes and chill out he finds that really beneficial um one of the tricks, or not tricks, but one of the things we tend to do is, if we have, if we're going to go for food in a restaurant, is we'll go to the carvery where you can just go straight up and get your food, and yeah, then we,
1: we do. So that they have their food because there's no There's no waiting, then, is
0: there? So it's it's... No. it's straight away getting their food. You can pay and you can go, which it sounds horrible, doesn't it? It sounds like you're sort of like you're not taking them for food. They'd rather do that. They'd rather have their food and go. They don't want to sit still in a restaurant. They'd rather go to the carvery, be there 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. then go to the park. And like you say, they can just do whatever it they
1: Horrible. It sounds like that's the strategy that your family needs because you know that um, sitting down, waiting for 20, 30, 40 minutes isn't going to work. So you've found something that works for you and for them.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's half the battle.
1: Yeah.
0: It's finding different strategies, methods, coping methods, anything which can help you run your family life and your daily routine, which doesn't lead to screaming and shouting. If it works and it's safe and everything's great, then crack on because not everything not everything which works for for me or my son or us will work for you and vice versa because even though my son's got ADHD and your sons have got ADHD it doesn't mean that they will have the same issues it doesn't mean that they'll have the same things which agitate them, it doesn't mean that their symptoms will manifest in the same way so you've just as a family you have to just find things which work for you
1: you do yeah definitely
0: um so have you developed any other things which you can share with little methods or tricks that you've come up with i'm always always happy to pick up new ideas
1: um for managing their adhd
0: yeah just Mm -hmm. a general sort of day-to-day running of things and always after the little tips.
1: I think the, um, the physical activity helps like I say we have um, children that are quite okay so it's perfectly acceptable to do a handstand on the sofa and to do a backflip um, on the carpet or on the trampoline or swing off the monkey bars these things are okay we can we can go out for a walk if we're feeling stressed um or a bike ride we just know how to and how not to respond to um their emotions so you're constantly trying to regulate for for your children because um kind of the confrontation or the the um what am I trying to say The normal, the normal ways of trying to discipline your child are not necessarily going to work for your ADHD child. They're going to um, go into that fight and flight mode. So you just you pick your battles, you, you decide what's important, you, you be consistent, you know, you tell them other expectations, but you also help them, you help them to calm down, you understand them, you appreciate that it's difficult, and um, you don't try and use that real force or that negativity. That's what I think helps.
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the things you said there really struck a chord with me was pick your your battles is is trying to pick you know, there's going to be a time where you've got to um, you've got to tell your child with ADHD to stop what they're doing or not to do something because, or they need to do something and it's trying to pick the right one to say right no, that's it. You can't do that, or no. You can you go and do this, please. Whatever it may be, it's picking the right time, or the, not the right time, but the right what matters. What is important that you no, know, that has to stop, or you need to do this. Because if it doesn't really need to be something which is brought up, then maybe you can let it go. But. If it's something, say, if they might hurt themselves or someone else, then it needs to be, no, you need to stop that. And yes, sometimes you're going to end up in a battle, if you like, and it's just trying to pick the right ones to to pick. Um, I think, ultimately, being a parent is hard. And it's stressful, and it is anxiety-inducing. I think being a parent of a child with ADHD is equally stressful, if not more. But I think it can also be very rewarding. Um, like one of the best things that's happened to us is watching, is going to his last few parents' evenings. I'd say the last three or four parents' evenings have been amazing, and his report, the last couple of reports, because it's for the first time ever, in fourteen years plus, he's he's where his ability should be. Like he's clever enough to be where he is, but it was always a case of trying to navigate the best way to get there, and he's finally getting there. So. It, from that point of view, it's been incredibly rewarding, but it's been a long road and it's been a stressful road and, you know, every day can be difficult. Um, I was just going to ask you, if, so if, if there was any parents out there now who are struggling with their children who they think, or who have ADHD or maybe suspect that their children have ADHD, would you, uh, what would you say to them or give them sort of any advice or
1: Well, I think that if you think that your child has ADHD, then um, don't be afraid to speak up, go to the doctors, ask for an assessment, um, do your research, find out what it is, connect to what it is that you think is going on to your child, and then go and speak to the professional and explain your concerns and um, advocate for them, you know, because they need you to do that, because they can't do
0: it themselves yeah absolutely and I think um one thing I'd like to add to that is if you think your child has ADHD and you bring it to the to the teacher and you sort of say look I think this is you know and you explain your your reasoning and they disagree that's not that doesn't have to be the end of it if you you know you know your child better than anyone if you think they've got ADHD or they're showing symptoms or signs of it and the teacher or the school disagrees, you can go to your GP or to a charity or whoever it may be. And there are people there who will help you and listen to you. And you need to fight your child's corner because it sounds horrible, but to a school or to many schools, should we say, your child is just a number, it's just one of many. But to you, it's your child and it's your world. So you need to fight for them, particularly if you think they're struggling or they're having issues, and you need to go and see whoever will listen and make them listen.
1: I think communication is definitely key because um, there are a lot of teachers who don't, have an awareness or any understanding of adhd and so if they don't know what it is and they they can see the behavior but they can't understand what the behavior where what the behavior stems from then um then they are going to respond from a behavioral perspective and try to discipline the child and uh, try to make them fit into these um models of education that the child's never going to be able to fit into but um when you do go to your GP very often an assessment will involve um information from the teacher the Connors report for example so it's about communicating with with other people who are involved in supporting your child and looking at the evidence for why you might feel that your child is is suffering with ADHD so for example um they're not sitting still in their chair, they're not able to concentrate on their work, they are impulsively um, calling out or um, impulsively responding to um, a situation, and they are showing signs of overwhelm or sensory overload or um, emotionally distressed more so you know the heightened emotions so there are always symptoms and it's maybe about communicating and pointing those out to somebody if you don't feel that they understand what's going on. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah and I think like you say communication is the, the key to it um, and if you can work with the school I think is obviously beneficial uh, because they're the ones who are going to be supporting your child. In their education and their day-to-day school life, so getting them on board or explaining your worries is, you know, a big part of that, of that initial step towards making sure your child has the right support in place. And as I as I mentioned, what works, you know, what works for for me and my family might not work for you, but there is people out there who can help and advise and support you. Um. So. My messages uh, on Facebook and Twitter are open, so if anyone ever wants to talk or discuss anything, whether it's about ADHD or any other mental health issues, I'm always open and uh, ready to listen or uh, send point you in you know, a different direction or wherever it may be, and that's open to anyone, whether I know you or not. Um, one thing I have discovered since doing the shows on ADHD is there is a huge community of people on social media who are raising, the, uh, raising awareness and helping people and families with ADHD. Um, so there is help there if you need it. Um, I will post some links to some websites and some, <coughs> some charities, some people on Twitter in the description for the video. So if people want more information or they need to speak to someone, they'll be there. Um, You can find Chantelle on Twitter uh, at ADHD Positive UK. uh, And the website is www.adhdpositive.co.uk. I think that's right, isn't it? Yes, it is. Cool. Um, And like I say, I'll put all the... ADHD and mental health charity links in the description on YouTube as well as the ADHD positive one uh, <clears throat> sorry, you can keep up to date on upcoming shows guests on Twitter is at acecast nation um, please subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube and if you click the bell every time we upload a video you'll be notified if you would like to request a show subject, recommend a guest ask a question to us or one of the guests for one of the shows, you can do so on Facebook by searching Ace Podcast Nation. Uh, like the page and then you can send us a private message or just post a comment if there's anyone you would like to ask a question to. Um, we've lots of shows and interviews coming up over the next week. Uh, I've got one on ADHD with Dr. Wasi Mohammed. Uh, if you'd like to ask him a question, you can send that over on Facebook which is being recorded on the 9th of May, I think. We've also got shows on conspiracy theories, wrestling, football, uh, the impact of social media, uh, Avengers, Endgame Review. Um, so there's plenty of videos coming up. Um, whatever tickles your fancy, there's plenty of stuff. And as always, I'll keep updating everything and putting in any links in the videos. Uh, thanks again Chantal for your time and you are certainly welcome back anytime to discuss anything you please
1: oh, you welcome, thank you for having me
0: cool, thank you very much uh, and remember everyone, no matter what your situation is, you are never alone and it's never too late thank you for watching guys cheers <laughs>